day by day, month by month, he remains our faithful God. Today we're going to start a series on David, one of the most famous men in the Old Testament. Do pray that the Lord will teach us, uh, through his word, really practical things that will help us in our daily walk with him. Most people know um, something about David, at least one thing about David, that one day he took five little stones and he put them in his sling and boom! And the big giant Goliath fell to the ground. Before we look later at David's call, perhaps the most important event in David's life Just one or two things, very, very quickly, uh, about David himself. He lived a very eventful life. That's perhaps the most uh, understatement of the year, the century. (laughs) Uh, David uh, experienced everything. And in that time, he played lots of parts. He he started off a shepherd, very humble, ordinary bloke, and he rose to become the king of Israel. He was a poet, he was a writer, he was a skilled musician, he was a great military leader, political and spiritual leader. He was a generous man. He was a uh, stern defender of justice. And of course we know uh, in connection with Jonathan that he was a real, real loyal friend. And from the Psalms, we can we know very something about his his personality, his character. That David was a deep thinker. He was a sensitive man. He was intense. He was emotional. He was a man of varied moods. Sometimes he could be up. Sometimes he could be down. Um, but most of all, he was a man of faith. The other thing to remember about David was that he was actually related to our Lord Jesus. If we look at the family tree in Matthew and Luke's Gospel, we see a mention of David, the son of Jesse. But along with all these gifts, all these accomplishments, these personal qualities, is linked even to the Saviour. David remained, like you and me, a very ordinary, normal person. He was called a man man after God's own heart. Yet he was far from being perfect. In fact, he was deeply flawed at times. And one incident in particular, we can't go into any detail this morning about it, is one day he got up from his bed, it tells us in the Bible, and he walked along the the veranda, if you like, and he looked and he saw this very, very beautiful lady called Bathsheba. And he desired her so much um, that he engineered uh, her husband's death. He planned that the husband would be put right at the beginning of the battle and he would be certain to be killed. And in doing so, David broke at least five of the Ten Commandments. He murdered, committed adultery, coveted, stole, bore bore false witness. How far, how far David had fallen. And he was utterly broken, as you can imagine. How far he had gone 
he said, I have sinned against the Lord. David must have felt that there was no way back, that there was no hope for him, only God's judgment. But the story of David is not the story of David, but it is a story of God's love and grace. And that's the one thing we must take away from us, with us from this series. That David repented, and we, if you want to read this incident and how it affected him, perhaps sometime next week you could read Psalm 51, where David said, My sacrifice of God is a broken spirit and a contrite heart you will not despise. David, despite the terrible thing he did, this very dark thing he did, he was forgiven, he repented. And it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, he served his own generation by the will of God. And in that generation he stood out as a bright and shining star. So the one big truth that we all need to keep fixing our minds and hearts is that there's always forgiveness. There is always a way for us with our God. That he is always faithful, always merciful, always loving. And I'm sure the things that we've all done in our lives for which we're thoroughly ashamed of, but we know that there is always forgiveness with him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and forgive us uh, from all unrighteousness. And this is the wonderful truth uh, about David. And this is the great thing we need to hold on to as we get older and older perhaps, that all our sins have been forgiven by the sacrifice of Christ. Let us sing, Jesus, all for Jesus. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to look briefly this morning at an episode, um, the the call of David, uh, which I think we can say was the most important thing that ever happened to him. And you'll find that in your Bibles on page uh, um, 287, um, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. Mark's going to read that for us. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. 
Invite Jesse to to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent him and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Saul began well he was the first king of Israel but God repented regretted that he had made him king it wasn't because he made political mistakes or anything like that it was because he had broken God's commandment And Samuel was told to go to Bethlehem, to the family of Jesse. Because I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Jesse had eight sons, eight strapping big guys. And uh, Samuel looked at all of these. And first of all, he looked at the eldest one, which was Eliab. And he was very impressed by him. He, He was a big strapping chap. But God said to him, don't look. Don't look at the outside. See, see, I've got in mind the person I want. The Lord has chosen not this one, but someone. So Samuel then did say to uh, Jesse, um, have you any more sons? Any more sons going about? Well, he, he actually didn't mention David by it. Well, he... Didn't even mention his name. He is out in the field. So, and he was the youngest. And uh, Samuel waits until David arrives home. And in the GNB, it says he was a handsome, healthy young man, and his eyes sparkled. I like that. His eyes sparkled. 
He was a healthy guy. But God has said, don't look at the outward appearance. And Samuel told, Samuel was told by God, rise and anoint him. This is the one. God was saying, this is the one I really like. I see his heart. I know what he's like. And he's now going to be king. And it said in, in, um, in 1 Samuel 13 verse 14, a man after God's own heart. What an incredible description that is. Someone being of God's own heart. And he was anointed in the presence of his brothers. And from that moment onwards, we read that the Spirit of God fell upon David. Meanwhile, the Spirit of God left Saul because of what he'd done. What can we learn from this incident about how God calls people, how God chooses people? Well, the choice of David to be king was a very surprising choice. He was the least to offer, the least person to offer uh, amongst the brothers. Um, He was young, he was inexperienced, um, socially he was just a little shepherd guy but outwardly outwardly uh, he had nothing to offer humanly speaking but he was God's man God had chosen him and often we judge people outwardly don't we um, because they can speak well or because they're educated or The word today is charisma. (laughs) He's got charisma. In other words, personality. These TV shows that I I like to watch, they always bring in someone who's full of it, full of charisma. Not some ordinary guy who can't put two words together. They're not interested in that sort of person. However However great their story may be, they're not interested. It's charisma that's all important. We are chosen friends in the first place. We are called by God, not because of anything in us, but because of the grace and mercy of God. And that's what you could call our general call. And we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, 28, where Paul says, none of you have been good, none of you are honourable, none of you are big people in, in the sight of this world. But God has chosen you. God has chosen you. And that's a wonderful thing to know, isn't it? That when God called you to be his own, all those years ago, he called you and me, not because there was anything, because we were qualified in any way whatsoever. Not because we deserved it in any, any way, but because of his great love and mercy. But there's another call that you might call, that, that could be called a particular call. When God calls us, he's called us first of all to be to, for salvation, and he calls us Secondly, for service. And that's our particular call. When the Lord comes to you and to me and says, Yes, you belong to me now. You are my people. You belong to my church. 
Now I want you to do something. I want you to do something for me. And it's utterly astonishing, isn't it? It goes against the, what the world thinks about people. But God's... I put down in my notes sometimes, and then I've crossed it out often. God often chooses the people who seem, humanly speaking, fit for the job. He calls them. And he says, I want you to... to there's some work here... I want you to do. And in doing so, he works through through those very ordinary people and he does remarkable things. You see, God saw in David what others failed to see. He saw the heart of David, what David was really like. None of us can see into someone else's heart. Uh, we can put on a show we can pretend to be this, that, this, this, that and the other and do very well. And people come away with a misunderstanding of the sort of person we really are. But God can see us as we are. So our God is a God of surprises and we must be prepared for surprises when he calls ordinary folk like ourselves to do spectacular things. And our first reaction when he calls us is to say, well, I can't do this. I'm not qualified. I can't speak. I can't, I just can't do it. But then the voice comes to us, the voice, yes, this is what I want you to do. And I will give you the equipment to do it. And that's my second point. Those God chooses, he also equips. Isn't that wonderful to know? That though we are insufficient of ourselves, though we don't have any proper qualifications, whatever, he equips us. And David was equipped. It said, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. He was called, he was chosen, and the spirit of God came down upon him and enable him to do the great work he had to do. He had a strong sense of God's presence, and, and along with that, he gave him the gifts and the qualities that he needed for kinship. God put his stamp upon David, and, and despite his mistakes, despite his sin and all the rest of it, God's Spirit never left David. And so when God calls you and me, he gives us the, the right equipment. He helps us. And above all, we know as Christians, because of what Jesus said in John's Gospel, that the Spirit of God is upon us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we can do what, humanly speaking, we couldn't do. And thirdly, God, when God calls us, he does so for a purpose. He put his hand upon David and he had a plan, he had a purpose. He said, I want you to become king. I want you to spend your life in service. 
to rule my people properly. Maybe at that moment David didn't really understand the full implications of being chosen. And we ourselves don't. It's the same with us, isn't it? He chooses us for a particular task. And slowly, slowly we see what is involved. It may be over weeks and months, even years. And this is what God, how God dealt with David and how God deals with us. So when God calls you and me, when he chooses you and me, he has a plan and a purpose in mind. We might not know what it is completely, but he knows every time what he's doing. So what do we learn from this passage? What can we take away from 1 1 Samuel chapter 16? God's call is utterly amazing. He often calls those who are least able to do his work. Isn't that incredible? God chooses just very ordinary, vulnerable, limited people to do his amazing work. And in doing so, he he gives them, he equips them, equips you and me. He doesn't say, get on with it, do it yourself. He gives us the power and the grace to do it. And in calling us, God has a plan and a purpose in mind. Isn't that wonderful to know that we might be doing something that's very, we might be called by Jesus to do something that's very, I'm going to say simple and ordinary. Every day. But in his plan, in his purpose, in his mind, it is deeply significant. We're involved in his work, not our work, his work. And that makes all the difference. Many years ago, a young lady came into this church called Pat. She had been wondrously saved. She had been called by God. Not because she was special in any way. She would have been the first person in the world to say that she deserved it. But she was called, first of all, to him for salvation. And she was called to him for service. Why? Because God saw her heart and was pleased. May God give each of us the faith to respond to his call today, to feel his presence daily, equipping us to do what he wants us to do, knowing that we are doing his work. He has called us to service. He has called us to work for him. Let us now come to communion. Let us just be still for a few moments before we take the bread and wine.
Despite his terrible sin and shame, David asked for forgiveness and healing. Although he lived centuries before the cross, David had a real insight into the mercy and love of God. David was forgiven, pardoned and restored on the same ground as you and I are pardoned and restored. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Like David, we don't deserve God's love. Like David, we don't deserve his grace. Like David, there is nothing that we can bring to him. We simply come as we are. We come naked, come I simply to thy cross I cling. Let us sing our communion hymn, let us break bread together. Let us stand and sing. Just son. And we pray, Lord, that when you call us to do something in particular, when you say, this is the work I want you to do, Lord, give us the the faith we need and the grace to believe that you will give us all that we need to carry out your will for us. So again, Lord, we thank you for this precious time together. We thank you for all your grace and mercy and pray, Lord, that you'll be with us in the week to come, that we may know what it means to be called by you and to belong to you.